It's the never-ending queue. We're rolling with the two-man podcast tonight. Matt is spending some uh, some some family time here on the holidays. Jeff and I don't care about our families. We're still here, devoted to the pod. This is family. You are family, Jeff. How are you? You know, you can't you can't really pick your family, but you can pick who you, who you podcast with. And yeah, I didn't pick this either, but I'm here. <laughs> kind of forced into this. Yeah, I'll take I'll take it either way. I'm happy you're here. How uh, how were your holidays? They were quiet. Uh, like almost everybody else yep. in the world, uh, we were in quarantine from this relentless, never-ending pandemic. Uh, but everybody's healthy. Everybody made it through. Uh, my kids are almost four and almost two. So opening presents here is like a competitive sport. So it's a lot of fun in the morning. Yeah. Um, and it's getting more fun as time passes. The hours and hours of assembly, however, I don't, I don't know if it's the rough. Juice is, the juice is almost not worth the squeeze uh, at midnight when you're putting a 1400 screw into a little piece of wood. Oh my God. Every time I think like, I'm, I'm going to lay all this out. I'm going to carefully and slowly go through the instructions. And inevitably, I, I always have to backtrack at least two or three steps. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. And I, I just, I think that's just who I am. That's I'm a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a one time through kind of guy. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but at least I know who I am. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing. I don't know if you're the same way. I'm noticing with gifts for my kids. So it's not only what you get them. It's, it's what aunts and uncles and grandparents and teachers and you know and a great problem to have i'm happy that my my kids are loved by so many people but it's a lot of stuff and i'm noticing like if, if you're going to give my kid anything make it something that's like the less volume it takes up in the house the better small things are great face and noise <laughs> face, face and noise, and noise. <laughs> we've opened presents at my in-laws and at my parents house and the minute that it has been opened i've been like oh that's a here toy that's like, like what and i'm like as, that stays here they can play as you're walking it. out the door you're like leave that here yeah but dad i don't want to leave that here you forgot this <laughs> no i didn't but the classic it's broken is it broken because there's no batteries in it maybe <laughs> did i switch dead batteries from the remote into that so the weight's the same yeah it's exactly very possible yeah yeah then there's a, the inevitable cabin fever of of christmas break uh Middle daughter just started spitting water on the floor. That's like nice. a thing now. Just treating this place like it's a it's like it's an old west saloon. Just spitting on the floor, and if she liked peanuts, she'd just be cracking them and just leaving them all over the place. So we're doing the podcast to have a nice, yeah, nice little me time break. Um, Fuck those kids. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We love our kids. As as they're listening to this, twenty years from now. By, by force be like dad i don't want to listen to the podcast you did 20 years ago yeah you want access to that 529 <laughs> you consume all oh someone's turned around to my driveway jeff this is can't it have this can't have this this is the moment don't do it he's doing it i have a half circle drive he's gonna go all the way around you how's bragging camp half circle great. driveway that's like Pretty the one great. thing i want Every time we go and look, we look at a house and I'm like, yeah, driveway yeah. kind of sucks. You got to put a big flagpole I, I, I was just going to say, I don't have a flagpole. Yeah. Big flagpole. I'm really, I'm wasting it. 
potentially three flagpoles of varying heights. What do you, you go American flag in the middle and then you yeah. go what, uh, state family. flag or you go, you go colleges. Oh, family, family. family crest. Crest. You. Yeah, absolutely. Mine would just be water on the floor and a kid crying. <laughs> the American flag upside down because your house is in chaos and you need help. <laughs> flag of Puerto Rico because that's where I want to move. Yeah. yeah. Not really. I'll stay here. Uh, no offense, Puerto Rico. Don't write letters. Um, so we're, we're going to go different format tonight. We're going to try something out. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah. Uh, we it, are going to be to, fine. Yeah. We're going to do a draft of our favorite movie directors. And we're going to do this as a silent auction. So how this is going to work is Jeff and I have a list in front of us of about 40 directors. Uh, we're going to take turns nominating a director. So for example, I, if, if I go first and I nominate a director, say Catherine Bigelow, I would be forced to bid at least $1 on her. Um, Jeff and I'll say a little bit about it. We're going to write down our bids that we cannot see through the magic of, of text color and Excel. And it's just one shot. There is no rebidding. It's just, you have one shot to put your bid in. That's it. If I nominate someone, Jeff doesn't have to bid. If he's not interested, it can be a zero. But if you nominate someone, you have to bid at least $1. We're working with a $60 budget. We're filling out a top 10 list. Probably should have done this as $100 to make it an easy 10 per pick, but I like to make things complicated. So does that make sense, Jeff? Yeah. I just think it's, as you were saying it, I found it very funny that we are doing a silent auction through a medium right. that only works with sound. But go ahead. It should be fine. Some might call me dumb. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be the next podcast. Be silent will be bidding, explicitly yeah. mimed. Yeah. Best, best silent movies that we're going to act out. Uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'd like for you nominating. to go first. You would like me to go first. I am going to start this off strong. I'm going to do the, the pick that I think is top tier. I'm going to go Spielberg. Right out of the gate. Okay. You heard of this guy? Familiar with his work? You seen this? You heard about this? Hawaiian shirt guy, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do we bid now? What do we do? We. I know bid you just now. explained it. I, I, I kind of wasn't listening. We uh, bid now. Okay. We bid. I'm. I'm putting my bid in. Do you want to say it? I mean, what? What do you say about Spielberg? <laughs> I mean, probably the the quintessential movie director of, of i think we should our release, generation i but... think we should really re reveal the bids before we opine fair enough so that there's no funny business on yeah okay wow so i bid 20 jeff bid 12 i i have a little bit of buyer's remorse but not really because this is a strong yeah to me this is a very strong start it is to the list uh Someone to write him in. So because you get yeah. Here's why I bid 12. He is undoubtedly probably a top three director. I didn't write him down on my list of 10. And the more and more I looked at the movies, yeah. The more and more I looked at the movies. I mean, the, the ones I love in here that I will watch relentlessly are Hook, Private Ryan, um, Lincoln all 18 hours of it, E.T., um, 
Indy, and Jaws. Okay. Here's my problem okay. with Steven. That's a lot of them. That's most Go ahead. Of them. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them in here that are like good every once in a while. Um, he suffers from, I think, bad sound stages. Like I always know with these movies, it's apparent that it's a soundstage. We talked about this on Hook. Yeah, yeah. Hook Hook sticks out. Um, E.T. at times for sure sticks out. Munich. Um, <laughs> Jaws as well, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. some of it is not his fault. Some of it is. It's not. He's dealing with the Living practical it. effects of. The Although time. I thought I thought Hook was kind of. Not to re- relitigate Hook, but you could have done that on open water. Now they could have been so. I can't remember when Waterworld and or Cutthroat Island came out. I think it's after them. They could have been so deathly afraid of the cost and just like the variables that, that are at play when you film on open water um, that they were like, you are filming on a soundstage and we're going to control cost as much as possible. Or Hoffman could have been like, there's no way in hell that I'm getting up. To, to you know film in those conditions so yeah can't swim. now where he breaks away from it though is jurassic park like the effects in jurassic park yeah i remember when you when we first saw that i was like those are real those are real dinosaurs they did it yeah. this is not a movie it's a documentary and you know you go back now and watch it and you're like eh. but um i think to me it takes something away from his storytelling is tremendous his film mm-hmm. di- directing is tremendous which is i guess what we're judging him on right here but yeah i don't know i i get distracted it's funny his so what's interesting is that the, a lot of the movies that you listed are all movies that, that that would be a basis for me picking him but the movies that i like the most are ones that that i'm sure you like but they weren't listed really and that's the, the more i watch minority report the more i really like it yeah, it's cool. um Bridge of Spies, I think, is, is pretty solid. Um, it's astounding to me that he did Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Yeah. That might be a feat that I don't... Mentally. Yeah, I, I don't know of another... Yeah, I don't know of another director that, that would be allowed to do that, let alone tries to do that. Um, yeah, and then just like, you know, the, the Indiana Jones, like, I don't know, there's just so much here to like. I know that, that we're not doing this based on a, a desert island basis, but just the, the sure prolific nature of how many movies he's put out is really impressive. So I'm, I'm fine to have him as the anchor of the list. So, but that does put a, uh, so you had a dent 20 into there. my, I bid 20 there. I just did this. So you're down to 40 in the purse. I am down to 40 and the max bid I can make now is $32 yeah. for one you movie. Did yeah. It under the wrong thing. But okay. Yeah. I just changed that. So let me do that. Okay. Taking points away from me. We did it. Unbelievable. By the way, we texted this week about this new format with silent auction thing. And for the listener at home, and yes, I know that wasn't plural. Uh, I'm completely aware that this <laughs> new at- format is uh, engineered to screw me in the points in the long haul. So don't think. That 100%. I think I'm yeah. not aware of what's going on here. All right. So, and there is no rhyme or reason to this. So, you know, we're no. not going one to 10. It's, you know, there's a little bit of strategy. No, um, I happen to pick, I think Spielberg, you know, if you were going to do a, a snake draft or like draft in order of importance, I would put Spielberg toward the top, but there was no reason for 
for picking Spielberg first, other than maybe getting you to spend some money. But I spent way more than you, so backfire. Yeah. Uh, Alrighty then. Um, I'm going to come out with Christopher Nolan here. I really like Christopher Nolan films. Oh, wait, we have to put our bids in. Yeah. That was not a good bluff. (laughs) Unless it's a double bluff. In which case, well played. Are you in? I am in. It's fascinating. Oh, okay. (laughs) Jeff bid 20, I bid four. Night. All right, so I'm getting gun shy with money now. That's yeah. <laughs> well, it's an even playing field out there now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I really like Christopher Nolan films. I I like the art. Like they're all kind of dark. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, you have the entire Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, which is Batman Begins, Dark Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. But you also have Insomnia, Memento, Inception, and Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Tenet. Um, the one thing that he does in these films is that they're almost mysteries. Some of these are flat-out mysteries. You'll notice I skipped over The Prestige. There's been enough talk on this podcast about The Prestige. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, So, but he weaves in a level of mystery into these films, whether they're action or not um or drama or not that keeps folks engaged um yeah you know even interstellar that twist you know towards the end there where i guess not the twist but like you know the, the, yeah it's it, what the what that he he misses his entire kids uh yeah how basically quickly time is gets, moving and right and, right and then he has the right. ability to kind of like bend time and see them and you know um yeah i think he's so far and i say so far because we have a new batman uh on the horizon here but so far i i would rank him as the top director behind a batman franchise um i think those three films you know they've easily probably grossed the most uh but uh they were i think the closest to what batman is and should be um you know, Insomnia, Memento, you know, clearly he has some favorites in here uh, from actor's what's standpoint. Your, what's your least favorite one of his? Um, I haven't seen Tenet, so I can't talk about it. Um, That's it for me. Tenet is mine. Yeah, so... And I know why, because I didn't understand it. Like, if I, I you think of myself as a fairly intelligent moviegoer, and to be fair, I watched it on a plane but with subtitles on and I still like, wasn't a hundred percent. Like I, when I can't understand the mechanism, like an in inception, like I understand the mechanism of we're in a dream times moving at different rates. This wakes you up. This is the kick. It's like, okay, I understand the rules of this world. We're good to go. Now we can play around in it a little bit with tenant. I, I never understood. I, I never found solid footing about like what, what is it that I'm looking at? I thought it was really well acted. I thought that, it, you know, technically it was really impressive. There's a really impressive plane crash on the ground that, that he orchestrates, but that's, that's it for me. And it might just be that he has now gotten so much leeway 
from studios about like, it's Christopher Nolan. I don't understand it, but I didn't understand Inception when it came out either. So just let him do what he wants to do and we'll figure it out. So this, this might be kind of his Waterloo of, of, you know, complex movies that he's you may have to rein it back in a little bit, but sorry, I just stepped on your, uh, Waterloo. Um, I think I haven't seen Tenet, so I can't judge it. That sounds apt. Uh, I would I was going to say Inception, even though it's I think Inception is more enjoyable to watch now, like spoiled for some reason. Yeah, because you're so twisted up into a pretzel the whole time you're watching it. You almost have to think too hard, you know, and I've, yeah, you, I've, you want to not be the one that doesn't get it. Like in the yeah. theater, I remember like being like really leaned in like, all right. Okay, I think I know what's going on. I think I know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. When we go out for dinner after this, I don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. I, I, yeah. I knew yeah. that. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. All right. Man, that's two hot starts. I, I learned nothing from your mistake. Nothing. Uh, I'm gonna it's okay. I'm glad I got board. him. I can't find him. Which, uh, he, I got him. Okay. As you're doing that, I am going to go. I'm going to nominate Tony Scott. RIP. Matt's Matt's really wishing he was here right now. (laughs) Oh. Put your bed in. Hold on. Tell me what to do. The lesser known of the uh, the Scott boy, Scott brothers, Ridley being the better known, but ready? Yeah. Oh, eight. Jeff got him. I had eight. Jeff had thirteen. Jeff's was that a big job? Him. What was that? I kind of wanted him, but I was afraid. Eight seems low to go to hard out of the gate now i wish i would have gone harder you keep forgetting we're only playing with 60 dollars it's all right great no, figure it out later Scott. that's all right i'll take him there well you you won so yeah what, what are your what made you go hard in the paint for him <clears throat> well let's just read them off real quick okay for the yeah because tony scott may you, you know the movies you might not know the director and i think you may uh, you hear that name and you think like who you know yeah. not who but like I've heard of him, but then you read the list and yeah, go ahead. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Crimson Tide, Days of Thunder, The Last Boy Scout, Enemy of the State, True Romance, Domino, Unstoppable, Man of Fire, and Top Gun. Um, I don't know. Do we need to talk about it much more than that? There's more on there too. There's de- uh, did we say deja vu? I did um, not, no. But I mean, you could, yeah. you could, if this was Desert Island, right? You could be very happy watching those films. Yeah, uh, Beverly's Hill, Beverly Hill Cop Two, you know, is kind of a an outlier here from the rest of the genres. But it is kind of weird that it's in there. Yeah, but it's yeah. a good. It would be a good respite from, you know, Last Boy Scout, Days of Thunder, uh, Man on Fire. I mean, Top Gun is Top Gun. It is what it is. Um, we Crimson talked Tide about is solid. Yeah. 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 He recognizes good talent too. I mean, Tarantino wrote True Romance, and Tony Scott somehow finagled his way to getting to direct it. I think because he saw the talent that was there. Um, 
yeah, it, it, the criticism against him is uh, that he uses a lot of like really quick cuts. Um, it, if you've seen Man on Fire or Domino, it's a lot of that where it's really, really some, I guess, overly produced quick cuts with, uh, with sometimes subtitles, even though the film's in English, so they'll put subtitles in randomly. He did that more later in his career. Obviously, that's not something that comes up in like a Top Gun, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, I mean, last Boy Scouts, the nittiest of picks. Yeah. You know, another, Shane Black, another good writer. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good writer that'll probably get letters, but um, and Unstoppable is, it, when I first watched it, I was like, this is a train movie. I'll watch it because Denzel's in it. It's weirdly really rewatchable and i think tarantino when he was on a podcast like listed that and dunkirk as like his favorite movies i think of like the decade not just of of a particular year which i remember thinking like well, that's okay well maybe there is a reason that it's that it's you know that rewatchable so all right Man, i'm down to 27 bucks and we have i have eight more directors how is this possible you have a lot stuff. of one dollar guys in there. Yeah, that's all right. I'm gonna get smoked. Some good options left. I didn't even pick that guy. Nope. Oh. Sorry, Top Gun's worth it. All right, let's start playing for keeps. I'm gonna throw Scorsese out now. Wow. All right. Scorsese is that how you say it? I, I don't know. I, I think, think, I, I think I've some heard people him. say Scorsese. Uh, I've heard people refer to him as Marty. God, Godfellas, right? That's the one that he did. Yeah. Um, I am not ready. Uh, I know when you are. This is riveting, riveting podcasting. <laughs> uh, it's the keys, the keys on the keyboard at the top. Got it. The, the numbers. numbers. Yeah, the number. Yeah, yeah. I'm not writing them out. Okay, got it. Yeah, you can't write E I, right? <laughs> yeah, you ready? Oh, what now do we do? do? We do? Oh, All right, we both so nine. We both picked nine. Um, we I did. don't know. This is uh, you're watching problem solving in progress. You're listening to problem solving in progress. We can't both take them and both lose nine bucks. <sighs> My imaginary so. doll hairs. I don't think so. This is something I didn't think it up. Uh, Hold on. Do you hear we, that? What's that? That's people turning off the podcast. <laughs> no, they're hitting the, they're smashing the 15 seconds forward. And be like, Did they figure it out like? yet? Nope. Still talking about it. <laughs> still talking about it. Rebid. Rebid? Yeah. Okay. All right, we gotta change the color again. Tremendous podcasting. It's all right. All right, you ready? I'm in. I'm in. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I went up to 12. Jeff stayed right where he was at nine. All right. That's fine. I'll take uh I'll take Sorcese. This is one where I kind of like Spielberg. Like, what do you say? <laughs> um I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I, I can't, his earlier work, I've seen a lot of it. It's not something I haven't watched taxi driver on repeat. I've seen it probably twice. I've seen mean streets once. Um, 
seen Goodfellas, just like any red-blooded American, uh, numerous times. Casino, Departed. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm really right there with you. I really want to, this yeah. One. I, and I am also there with you where it's like Goodfellas on. I think I've seen all of it multiple times. Raging Bull, Color of Money, I've probably seen more frequently yeah. as his kind of older ones. Um, Shutter but, Island, also one that similar to Inception, better to I watch. I can do without. I can do without. I could do without, but it's better to watch uh, knowing to me, like it, it was cool to watch it again knowing what I knew, but mm-hmm. that is a rough, rough ending. Yeah. Uh, two, two times, finding out why he is mentally ill is really rough, especially as a parent, shout out us. And then the ending, ending, the, the implied lobotomy is just, ooh. Um, it's a toughie. What's, what's, your, what's your least favorite Scorsese? Uh, like... I'll juice that up and say least favorite, like notable. Yeah. Because right? like to say the last temptation of Christ, I don't think. Or like silence. Silence was three hours yeah. of kicked in the teeth. Yeah. So I would, I'm going to say the aviator. It's way too long. It's, it's like, I, it's, I think it's please give Leo an Oscar. It's way yeah. too long. It's yeah. interesting. If it's a lot shorter it's only yeah. interesting if you are in Hollywood and absolutely obsessed with Howard Hughes and the Howard Hughes. behind it. Yeah. And if that's yeah. like, if that's your world and you're Martin Scorsese, then yeah, of course you're going to make a three hour movie about him. Cause it's probably somebody who you look up to, to a degree and idolize to a degree, but newsflash Marty, nobody fucking cares. Like we care enough that for much. an hour. Yeah. That's, that's all you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like number one's probably yeah. uh, super cliche, but it would be The Departed. It's still Goodfellas for me. Yeah, Goodfellas and Casino are like untouchable. I think um, it was like if you showed me all of them for the first time, if you if I got amnesia and you showed all of them to me, I would walk away thinking like I think Goodfellas was the one that I'd be like, holy cow, like that's I, I gotta watch that again. Like that, you can't get enough of that. Um, yeah. All right. I could casino over Goodfellas only because Don Rickles is in it. That casino ending. Yeah, it's a tough day for uh, what's his name. Top top cornfield moment. Oh. <laughs> Signs. <laughs> Children of the corn, field of dreams, and uh, in casino. <laughs> oh, Signs. Ooh, all right so yeah. purse update kurt has 28 bucks left in the bank i have 27 yeah uh, we've we've both picked two directors so let's start going a little faster here but that's okay uh i'm gonna go next i'm gonna go uh ronnie howard okay i have some thoughts about it i was just thinking about him the other day and i'm gonna write my pick down now Okay. I'm ready. Yep. I had 14 to three. I walked away with him, but you know what? I told myself when we were doing this game, this is one guy 
I'm, I'm walking out of here with Ron Howard. When I do sports drafts every year, I say to myself, I'm walking out with X player. This is my guy. And he's my guy because as someone who consumes me TV a copious amount, you understand the pull of the Andy Griffith show and how important that show was. Ew. So this, this, I mean, is he the, the most successful child actor ever? I mean, this, this Ask kid me. does, this kid does the Andy Griffith show. Then he follows that up with, with another iconic, like maybe the iconic sitcom of the seventies, I guess. It's happy days in the seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does happy days. Then like n- not only dabbles a little bit, he does American graffiti as, a, as an acting gig with George Lucas. And then he gets away from acting. And, and not only is like, oh, he directed some stuff. He becomes one of the biggest directors in Hollywood. Starts Imagine Entertainment. Produces Arrested Development. Directs. Uh, I just looked it up because uh, one of his movies is, is going to be in our Rotten Tomatoes, 70 to 79. Not to step on that. But it's you start going down the row of, of Night Shift, Splash, Backdraft, uh, Paul 13. Even the stuff that like doesn't hit that well, like far and away, is still like, you know, for, for any other director would be like, it's, you know, it was a decent movie. Um, he's kind of like hit a little bit of a lull here with, with uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Angels and Demons stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. That was a, it, that was a weird left turn. It's yeah. more of a passion project, you know? Yeah. They, they probably cared about it more than we did. And there's there's some clunk like Ed TV is not good, but Cinderella Man I I think is underrated. I think it's um, one of his best. I do I do too. Frost Nixon seemed like not to take anything away from it, but like kind of a layup because it's, it was already a play, and you're really just relying on Martin uh, uh, Michael Sheen and, and Langella to to do what they did on on Broadway. The, a movie that I liked a lot was uh, was Rush, and I was not familiar with with that style. Is it Formula One? Mm-hmm. Um, like that style of racing and all. And I, I, I thought that was a really well done race. Well and I think it's one of the best things Hemsworth did and Daniel Brule. So ransom's good. Yeah. Shout out Ronnie Howard. That's, that's my, uh, I'm done gushing. He also and... doesn't seem to age. Like he has been no skinny 65 and bald, bald for the last 30 years. Like he has looked exactly the way he looks today for the last 30 years. Yeah. You go if you let yourself go bald early, time time stops aging. We have the right quick, idea. We age really quickly one day. And then like a little bit of hair and then no hair. Plateau. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then we are the same amount of hair. I will forever live forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So I have I have spent a combined 46 of my $60 from the top three picks. You have 14 bucks left. I have 14 bucks left. But tough, I'm gonna be happy with my list. It's a tough. Uh, all right, Live in the I'm moment, gonna, Jeff. I'm gonna throw the Cohen brothers out. You can't take it with you. All right. Ooh. All right. Place your bets. Place your bets. Place your bets. Let me know. I'm ready. Right. I'm in. Got him. God, I could have gotten another nope. four. You could have. I put three. Jeff put twelve. Some really good. God help us if we ever got in front of an action auction booth. Yeah. Funny story. I went. My dad took me to a bull sale when I was uh, when I was like seven, Just and I got the bull at home. This is an animal, not the not the Chicago Bulls. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. you and, went what? 
I, if I remember correctly, I inadvertently, I was holding the, the marker and I think I was sitting next to my dad and I raised the marker and I shouldn't have, I was just playing around. And I think, I mean, the, the auctioneer shouldn't have counted it. I think he thought my dad raised it, but I remember my dad being not thrilled that that happened. So we didn't know he was, I think my dad was praying that somebody outbid us and they did. And then I was, I was not allowed to hold the marker anymore. That's a better story if you're outbidding your dad and he doesn't know. Who is bidding against me? Son of a bitch. Eight-year-olds just higher. <laughs> no, we can pay more. Keep going. <laughs> I know. I know much higher numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Cohen brothers. So they're a weird group, these two. Um, there's they a are. lot in here I could do without, but there's a couple in here I can't live without. So Lebowski, No Country, True Grit, the remake. Uh, Fargo, the remake. Um, even Hail Caesar, I think, is really entertaining. Did you say um, Fargo, the remake? No, I did say that, no. but I didn't mean it. Okay. Um, I was making sure I didn't miss. Yeah. yeah. So I think Hail Caesar is pretty entertaining. Same. Um, that made your mysteries uh, list, I think. Yeah, I think the whole thing with the, the communists is. is uh, it's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> the submarine. Yeah. It's not um, how that movie would end. Channing Tatum holding up a poodle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On a submarine. And George Clooney not really caring that he's been captured. He's just, yeah. He, he could have stayed there for the rest of his life. There's, um, there's another movie that, to your point, not, sorry, making a news yeah. resolution to not cut you off anymore, but it's not the new year yet. Um, there's a movie, like, to your point, you were talking about The Aviator, where, like, if you love old Hollywood, you know, you're not really going to care that much about it if the movie's that long. Here's one where, like, if you like old Hollywood, it's for you, but they keep it really brisk. I mean, I feel like that yeah. movie wasn't that long. No. Um, no, yeah. Well, it yeah. moves, It moves. you know, the whole time. You know, there's a couple of those scenes where they're um, doing the musical numbers and they're like, man, it stalls out a little bit there, but I think otherwise yeah. it moves pretty good. Um yeah. But Lebowski to me, I mean, Lebowski is such a, a heavy weight in the room that like some of these other ones were like, oh, brother, where are where those? Okay. I mean, it's on TV all the time. It's interesting. It's not. They're confined to the Odysseus story. Um, yeah. Or the, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think Lebowski, man, I can't do without that. Even Burn After Reading. I mean, Burn After Reading is pretty good. It um, grew on me. I remember seeing that with, with a girlfriend and she walked out and she was like, I hated that. And I was like, I remember thinking it was fine. I, uh, I think my parents, this is somehow turning into a lot about my parents, Raising Arizona, I think is the only movie that they've ever walked out of a theater on. They hated it. Hated it. What scene? I don't know. I never asked them. Um, but I'll tell you the what I do like. I mean, you went to the bull auction. I don't think it was. I think Nick, it was your dad was pre- sitting the whole time, like, what kind of son am I raising? <laughs> Maybe that's how he walked out. I'm sorry. I can't pre- watch this pre- movie. I got to go. Pre- me being born. Um, but there is, I mean, the early stuff like Blood Simple is just like a, a nah, not to be punny, but it's a really simple story. I think it's great. I think Miller's Crossing might be my one of my favorite one from them. Um, doesn't get replayed a whole lot. Maybe because Gabriel Byrne is a little bit insufferable, but mm-hmm. um, then like Barton Fink is, is a little bit out there. Um, but interesting. I mean, they get the same like Totoro, I think has got to be the one 
Jatura or Goodman have got to be the ones that work with him or them the most. Um, yeah, and I love me some John Turturro. Um And Goodman. Uh, yeah. yeah. They've had fat and skinny Goodman. Mm-hmm. Um, but True Grit. So, like, a lot of these movies have that weird Cohen brother, like, is it a joke, is it not a joke kind of thing going on the whole time. Yeah. Um, there's that sense of humor in the movie. True Grit's a hard movie to redo. Yeah. You know, I left... Uh, John Ford off this list he did pretty much all of the western yeah. movies of the time right but I just don't want yeah. to bore anybody to death and or lose immediately so but I mean <laughs> you're talking about a guy that has done you know you're talking about a John Wayne film and you're going to redo it and you're the Coen brothers and you're known to be a little kind of odd yeah I think it's very well done and they I agree. didn't and they they didn't uh insulted either which they could have easily done no i thought it was really well cast that uh Haley stenfield that i think it's how you say it was uh sure did a great job i i think i think from a pure directing standpoint i think the best work they've done i think it has to be no country mm-hmm. um every decision they made was just a phenomenal decision i remember seeing this with my buddy nick and it was like three quarters of the way through the movie and he leaned he leaned over and he said there's been no music in this at all. And I, I didn't even notice that until then. That's probably just because I'm an amateur film watcher, but you know, it's small moves like that. It's, it's not showing what the, model the hotel bulk gun he was using the whole time. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, the decision to not show the shootout in the hotel to just show the aftermath, um, getting that performance out of Bardem, which I think, you know, I, I the actor meets you halfway. I think he's a really talented actor, but it, yeah, I think that one will go down as, you know, if you're going to do the, the, the tombstone movie, um, I think that's it. So I wish I would have been more. Now I'm walking back man, Ron Howard. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go Tarantino next. So max bids currently. Um, you can, can bid, bid nine, eight, and I, I can yep. bid nine. And we have a lot of guys left to go. Yes. Unfortunately, for those of you who are like, I wonder if this will be a short one because there's only two of them. <laughs> All right. Whoop. Ready? I'm ready. Six, six to four. I'm going to walk away with them. Wow. Um, I, I am not a, you're going to run out of money. How does this work? No, I'm just, I'm going to be limited to to $1 for, uh, for people at the end. Um, that, so the max I can bid on somebody now is, is three. Um, I, I'm not a, everything Tarantino does is automatically, you know, written in, in Moses's stone tablets. Um, I, so I, I guess I wouldn't call myself like a pure fanboy, but it's just hard to, when you're staring down the list of what everything he's done directing wise, um, if you had writing and you, you put true romance and crimson tide in there, um, it, it's just hard to argue with the body of work he's built up as a director. 
and then even the stuff, I mean, I think Sin City slash Death Proof is, is my least favorite. Um, and it's hard to pick a favorite. I think, it, it, weirdly enough, as, as time's going on, hateful eight's really growing on me. Um, it's a little long, but that's <laughs> C. Tarantino. Um, you know, C, stuff like Jackie Brown, I think, doesn't get enough credit for just being a really solid movie and it's an adaptation versus a lot of his other stuff is just purely original but i don't know again as a director like it's hard to discount how much he's been aped and how much influence he's had on subsequent directors um it'll be a shame i mean supposedly what he's got he says he's gonna do one more and that's it yeah that'll be a shame um i don't know if he'll stick to that i don't know if people like that can can turn that off but I don't know. He's so you weird, see other man. people. Yeah. I mean, people like, you know, Hackman just quit acting. Um, I don't know. It can happen, but it, it'll be a shame when it does. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I like, I don't like everything. I will agree with you. I do not like everything he does. I don't buy into the whole, like you get these guys that are, are bigger than the movie. Meaning if they're attached to it, you have to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good example of that is once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Like I didn't have a lot of desire to go see it. Um, just because it was his movie, a lot of people went and saw it. And I wonder if you put that trailer out with somebody else's name attached to it, does it get the same amount of kind of celebration as it does? Um, <clears throat> I would pick for like a number one in here. I, I really, I mean, Pulp Fiction's obviously probably the thing that he will be most remembered for yeah um but i really like reservoir dogs i think as my my number one in here for him uh the way that story unfolds is quintessential you know he kind of invented the whole reverse narrative um Mm -hmm. where you you know you, you see the end and then you go back to the beginning and mm-hmm. I think Reservoir is a really good example of that. I think the actors are good. Um, it's weird enough where, you know, everybody's got their own name, Mr. Pink, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it turned so. heads for a reason. I mean, it, it really, people talked about it a lot and it, you know. And was it a reason that, for that? You that opened my eyes to tell me that uh, Reservoir and Pulp is the same universe? I don't think so. Supposedly, like everything is the same. Uh, somebody floated something to me that uh, uh, I'm going to forget his name. It's Aldo Reigns in, in Inglorious Bastards, but uh, uh, the stoner, Brad Pitt's stoner character in True Romance, Lloyd, Floyd, Floyd. Um, that, that's, that's Aldo Reigns' descendant. <laughs> it's, okay. It's like, all right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you happy. I think there is there is some fan theory. This is when Matt knows this. There's some fan theory that uh, that the Tarantino universe is all encompassing. That it's all in the same realm. But like I said, not a true fanboy, so it's a little over my head. But not a true fanboy. But I just spent seventy five percent of what I had left. Dollar so, bucks. Good. Not panicked at all. I got Louis fans out there. Four picks. <laughs> Bluey. All right. Who's I'm the director Bluey? We need that on there. I would love to get that guy on the podcast. Oh. Uh, 
I'm going to go Mel Brooks. Oh, I wish I would have saved some money. All right. Ready? Yep. You did zero? I couldn't risk it. <laughs> I love Mel Brooks. I couldn't risk it. It feels dirty. I'm sorry, Mel, if you're listening. I'm very sorry. I, I feel insulted. Uh, <laughs> you bid zero. Okay. Nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mel's, Seven. Mel's Mel, right? Yeah. Um, still kicking. He's still kicking. Even his the early COVID things he was doing on social mm-hmm. media with his son were hysterical. Uh, yeah. He, not unlike Don Rickles, have figured out a way to, and it's something that I think our society needs to open their eyes to a little bit more, is that um, funny is funny, and it's not necessarily gospel right and so like mel did this thing where he walked the line some would say that occasionally he walked over the line um but i don't think he ever walked too far over the line uh and even when he did i think if you were to talk to him which i have never um you would know that it was for the intent of making people laugh not necessarily hurting feelings right and we've i think lost that by and large, where everything is a hurt feeling. Um, and, and a lot of that's gone. Now, I'm not endorsing uh, hate speech, but, you know, Blazing Saddles comes to mind, right? It is a yeah. movie that is unmakeable today. Not even close. It doesn't even make it past the first production meeting. Unmakeable. It's built on race, on stereotype. That's, that was the, yeah, and, and farting around a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> But it is absolutely hysterical. Um, I mean, the, it, when is the dedu- uh, you know deduct that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If I want to say what the term that they call the man from China. You know, deduct his pay for the day for sleeping on the job when he gets knocked out. I mean, I think that that's. I think that's two minutes into the movie. It, it's early. It's Wakes early. you up. Yeah. Wakes you up. Um, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula, uh, producers, Young Frankenstein, the producers. I mean, one of his first movies was the producers. It was a movie totally built on let's make a musical about Hitler. Hitler, right? <laughs> but like only Mel Brooks can make that movie, right? Frankenstein, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, um, only if Mel, you yeah. if you've not watched the comedians in cars. Uh, series with Jerry Seinfeld. He takes Mel out to lunch, and it's great. Yeah, um, you know, I did. They, I don't watch that regularly. I did watch that one. Yeah, and they do talk about a little bit of that here and there. But yeah. I think Mel was like Mel was this kind of launching pad for a lot of these guys. You know, totally. And he enabled. I think you know, without Mel Brooks, you certainly don't get Seinfeld. You absolutely don't get Curb Your Enthusiasm. No. Right. Uh, making fun of things that are inappropriate to make fun of. This last season was outstanding of Curb. It just wrapped up last week. I agree. Um, but there's no way that without a guy like that, without a guy like Mel, those guys don't exist. I think he gets a, a kind of a <clears throat> kind of a bum rap of like, or he doesn't get enough credit because I think some people think like, 
Well, if you look at Spaceballs, it's like, well, all you're doing is parodying Star Wars. But right. I, I would point to all of the just absolutely terrible, you know, disaster movie, not another teen movie. Um, the movies that were just, their whole premise was just like, hey, we're going to take this thing that you kind of know about, like meet the Spartans. Just, we're just going to give you pop culture references and that's going to be the joke. You're going to point in the thing, oh, I recognize that thing. But like Brooks's movies had story, you know, they had legitimate story. They had good performances. He said in when he was uh, in a Spaceballs interview, whenever he did a, a parody or a spoof of another genre, he would make sure that he hired the best production people from that genre to make it look like it was one of those movies. Um, but yeah, like absolutely push the line of, of, of what audiences would tolerate. I think we talked about it when we talked about, when I brought out space balls for like the, <clears throat> the Rotten Tomatoes, like 60% maybe, or the 50%, which is travesty. Enough, but, whatever it was. Yeah. Not high enough. But the fact that like he wanted the opening ship scroll over the screen to be 25 minutes just to see like, how long will the audience I wish sit that here. was in a director's cut somewhere. I did be phenomenal. Like it's yeah. Like people would have, I mean, if my parents walked out of raising Arizona, they for sure would have walked out like 15 minutes. What the like, fuck what, is this? What, what is this? Yeah, like, <laughs> but there'd be people that would just be howling. I guarantee that people would, the longer it went, it, you know, that it's funny, then it's not funny. Then it's funny. Then it's not funny. Then it's really funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he, not a lot of people have never missed. He's come pretty close. Pretty close. Life stinks is pretty bad. Yeah. But, but even, even, you know, telling fart jokes and, and, you know, making mockeries of Star Wars, like that would be easy to screw up. Yeah. That's a bad movie. Yeah. But he, he crushed it. So yeah, then is the, the, the producers as a Broadway run is if he didn't have enough money. Yeah. You know, got your boy yeah. on there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Nathan Lane. That's that's the key. You gotta have Nathan Lane. I was at Disney on uh, Ice this at Disney on Ice this week and Timon and Puma came out. And all I could think about was Nathan Lane. <laughs> was he in but, there? Was he in the in the suit? He was in the suit, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh we're gonna keep it rolling. I'm gonna go Adam McKay with my next nomination. Okay. In locked in, I am in. Yep, who did not bid, and I bid two. Um, Adam McKay, for those who do not not know, uh, the former other half of of, uh, Funny or Die with with Will Ferrell, which is which is no longer there, they are very publicly split, um, which is sad, but all things must come to an end. It's interesting that comedy duos don't, uh, not to tangent immediately, but. You know, you think about like Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and them, you know, putting some really genius stuff together and then they split and neither one of them really found it again. You know, Murray, you could say like kind of had a second life. It's like a Wes Anderson go-to or, you know, kind of a more dramatic actor making his own choices. And Ramis, I don't, I think kind of directed a few comedies after that, like Multiplicity, Year One, but nothing when you're talking about like Groundhog Day or uh, Caddyshack, it, it's not even close. Um, and I think the same thing with with McKay and Farrell. Now, I think 
I think Farrell needs McKay more than McKay needs Farrell because it's obvious that McKay via the big short, don't look up. Vice wants to tell more stories than just straight comedy, but my God, that guy can direct comedies. Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, the other guys. Um, those movies are great comedies and they're great comedies because he is a great director. And I remember seeing uh, footage from Anchorman 2 where like you can just hear him off screen shouting stuff for Farrell to say, just like take after take, like try saying this, try saying this. And Farrell delivers it really well, just like Murray could deliver it really well. And Farrell comes up with his own stuff and, and ad-libs well. But I think McKay was the driving force behind how just utterly hilarious a lot of those movies are. And that's why I wanted him in here. Yeah, but I think I think part of that is is getting out of the way and enabling a guy like Farrell or John C. Riley or you know whomever that's starting in these films to get out of the way and let them ad lib. A lot of directors would jump in and be like, no, 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 no. Like stick to the script or, or, you know, you're getting too far away from the plot here. Like, I think a lot of that, that beautiful comedy that we, you know, the quotable scenes aren't on paper anywhere, you know, and without having that foresight to let these guys run um, and kind of create that environment for them to do it, you're not going to get it the split up between between Farrell McKay is the dumbest thing I've heard. I mean, it sounds like a movie that they would write. Part of me thinks that this is some long play that it's not, I hope it is. that yeah. they're just putting us all on, you know, and this is some, some giant thing. Allegedly it's, they were getting ready to shoot a movie about the Lakers and it's an HBO show. Right. Yeah. And, um, Farrell wanted to play Jerry Buss and McKay casted John C. Riley. And so like, and now they're not talking. He's never speaking to him again, but that doesn't make all that much sense. I mean, you're talking about three guys there that have worked together a lot. Like part yeah. of me doesn't buy it. It seems way too well, shallow unless they're, unless, yeah. which is entirely possible, unless there's 20 plus years of just me wanting to say, fuck you. I'm never talking to you again. That could happen. Straw. Just small aggressions or small slights building up to finally like I I just need a break. I I really hope it's not permanent, and I feel like it won't be. But it's it's hard to think of Will Ferrell as being someone who's angry, like legitimately angry or or vindictive even. Because if McKay's to be believed, then then Ferrell was the one who's basically like, "Fuck off!" Like I we're done. Um, which yeah, I think so if if it really is because he had, or something right, like, he wanted to play. Jerry Buss, like I think that's right. I think that Farrell was miscast as Jerry Buss. Like I'm, I'm not. I don't know. Got to kind of know yourself. But anyway, all right. Well, I'm halfway through my list. You enjoy that? Uh, let's see here. I'll take Harold Ramis. There you go. All right, bids are in. Yeah, Three to one, you get him. Um, basically everything you just said about Adam <laughs> McKay, I would re-echo here about Ramis. Um, 
Ditto. This was a much more public divorce, though, and it they continued to work together, I think, through the divorce, which made some for some uncomfortable moments uh, later in the films. But you know, it's it's basically Adam McKay and maybe a little bit of Judd Apatow mixed together, minus twenty years, right? Uh, well, Groundhog Day, yeah. Caddyshack. Um, vacation he, vacation does he not get credit multiplicity does he not get credit for uh ghostbusters i guess ivan reitman directed that but he wrote it that's a it's if you took it's a Reitman blurry line direct it's a blurry line so yeah yeah the creative force i mean I, i'd put that as him i'd also put stripes in there right for him um what would between between groundhog day vacation and caddyshack What's what's the best? It's hard to tell. What's, what do you think the best directing job was? Uh, I think the hardest job was probably Caddyshack. Yeah, I think you had, and 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 therefore the probably the best directing job is Caddyshack because, to me, in watching that movie, it just looked like it must have been chaos every day to get cocaine three, central three well, minutes dumb, of yeah. like usable film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have two guys that are on scene together all the time that hate each other in Chevy and uh, Bill Murray, like no, like very publicly cannot stand each other. One punched the other in the face when they worked together at SNL and now they're doing a movie together. You have what would appear to be dump trucks full of cocaine everywhere. You have how many real, you know, 18 to 25 year olds you're in the middle of the late mid 80s i mean it the fact that i think it made it is a miracle you're totally right so i think his job there was was management more than anything else which i guess is part of a director's role but you think about the 18 to 25 year old kids who when they signed up for that movie they were told this is going to be a movie about caddies it's going to be about you and then like the adult stars get cast and it's like, it's not about you anymore. It's because we got too much heat going on with, with these four, but then you got to manage. So you got to manage their lowered expectations, which what are they going to do? They're not going to walk off a movie, you know, Michael O'Keefe is not going to walk away from a movie that, you know, that was, especially with this level of talent in it, Basically, but you got to manage. Right. You got to, I think he got nominated for an Oscar like a year before that for a, like one of those drama movies, like ordinary people. It wasn't that, but something like that. Um, but then you had to manage, you got to manage Bill Murray's big ego. You got to manage Chevy Chase's enormous ego. You've got to manage Rodney Dangerfield, who's never acted in, in a movie before. And then you got Ted Knight. I don't know what Ted Knight was like, but to me, Ted Knight is the MVP of the movie. Um, and I don't yeah. know if that's a hot take or not, but I, yeah. So you manage all that. Plus you got a writer in Doug Kenny who is doing copious amounts of cocaine and who probably killed himself in hawaii he i mean they, they've never proven how he fell off the cliff but um you got all that floating around and they somehow come out with a movie that's that is still you know we're talking about it literally 40 years later um it's impressive did you see that um it was like a mockumentary I don't know, a few I... a futile and stupid gesture yeah on yeah, Kenny. I was gonna bring that up because of your your uh, love or not love hate with Will Forte, but just like your mostly hate with Will Forte. Um, one I, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. That I thought one it I was can stomach. 
Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with everything you said there. I mean, but he, you know, the vacation ones, I just think Chevy just, the more and more I read about Chevy, the less and less I like them. And I just can't imagine. Yeah. Deal with them on a daily basis. Um, you know, if you, no. who, who are you going to pick Murray or Chevy? I'm going to pick Murray every time. I love Groundhog Day. I think it's not close. Great. Love it. I, I, I love it. I heard they were talking about, I think it was rewatchables the other day, like best single day movies. And they brought Groundhog Day up. I think there's no way you can put it in that category. It's no. eons. Eat like they never said how long he lives. Literal I mean, he, yeah. decades pass. Yeah. So it's brilliant. It's been it's been copied so many times since then. You know that they still are still doing it. I mean, uh, on Disney Plus, they were advertising some movie where it's like Christmas again, and it's like a twelve year old relives Christmas over and over and over again. You know, Andy Samberg had that movie Palm Springs. It was like oh, like we're living in a loop, and like there's only so many times. You, I mean. There's creative twist to it. The uh, Edge of Tomorrow, I thought was a good twist on it from an action movie perspective, but mm-hmm. it'll still never be better than 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 Groundhog Day. Um, all right. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I am going to nominate uh, Steven Soderbergh. Okay. It is in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The pick is in. Two to zero. To zero. I overbid somehow with $2. I still overbid, but that's okay. Uh, I think he is another guy who probably doesn't get enough credit um, for how many movies he's done. I think some people may think of the Oceans movies um, and that's it. But I mean, this is really a guy that if I go down his filmography huge, huge magic mike guy we all know huge that. magic mike guy um i mean it's, it makes it pretty easy to pick like what's my least favorite i i don't think that he really makes a bad movie he knows how to edit really well apparently he matt damon has said once uh that that of the directors he's worked with spielberg and soderberg are the only ones that edit in camera which if I understand that correctly means that they're not sending it into an editor. They are, they're basically shooting the movie in a way that they're cutting at a place where they know it's going to be cut. Their, their, their mind can see like how the movie's going to flow, which seems incredibly difficult to do while you're shooting. Um, I, you know, the oceans movies, I think in the wrong hands turn really campy. Um, I, I know people have their problems with 12, but I think 11 and 13 are pretty unassailable. It's just really fun ensemble movies where everybody gets to breathe and you don't want to talk about like ego management and and keeping everybody happy i mean that seems like a lot of what those movies were you get into the earlier stuff too like i mean traffic still really holds up as a great movie and the decision to to shoot that movie in uh all the benicio del toro scenes are the colors in that are like really uh like desert like and really bright and and faded and the uh the Michael Douglas addiction scenes with his daughter are like really dark. Um, so you, you're able to, you're, you're flipping between three stories and you're able to know where you are based on just the tone of, of the camera, basically. Um, Aaron Brockovich, 
it's stuff like Haywire where he just saw Gina Carino and he was like, I, I think she'd make a really good action star. I'm going to do that. He shot Bird on a wire entirely on his iPhone. Um, and then, the, you know, he just does the no sudden move that just came out is nothing to write home about, but it's, it was a solid movie. And that's what the guy does. He just makes solid movies and skip over. You know, I, I was just going to say, like, I think he may have made the movie of un, unintentionally. He made the movie of, of the, uh, of the decade with contagion. He just made it five years early, but I mean, that's, he said he made it because somebody told him he started looking at data and thinking like, it's a real possibility that we're going to go through something like this. So call it pretty good foresight to I'm gonna make a movie about what this is going to look like when it happens. And, Thankfully, it, it hasn't been as bad yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, mm. Doesn't seem like it's going to be, mm. um, unless Omicron causes us to, to grow three heads. Um, you know, it, it seems like that that version of of a virus is, is much worse. But yeah, it's solid director. I'll take him. I'll gladly pay two dollars for him. All right. Anything else on on Soderbergh? No, you, you hit it. All right. You bid zero. Rob Reiner. Now we have a problem, Kurt. What's that? Our, well, um, now it's now it's just whether now it's just whether because we each have one dollar left. Our max bid is uh is, yeah. is one. Did you put it in? I put it in. I am I am not bidding. Okay. Well, you, you never oh. changed your original. Bid. I never changed my bid. Up. I'm sorry. Um, all right, I'll take Robbie. <clears throat> so he's got a pretty good list here. I mean, very spinal top right out of the gate. Uh, not highly rewatchable, but very funny. Stand by me, Princess Bride. I could watch it a million times and not get old of it. Uh, Harry Met Sally, Misery, Few Good Men. We talked about recently. Uh, on hopefully a future pod, which is you <laughs> good men is so good, it's really good. Um, North, my god, that movie sucked. Yeah, <laughs> LBJ, Kurt's personal favorite bucket list. Um, oh, yeah, it falls uh, off. It, his later career really falls off. He really, but there's some, there's some unassailable stuff in there early on. You have to, up to a few good men. Yeah, I mean, misery, misery is great, you know, and that doesn't it's seem one of like the best Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. yeah. At all. It's way out of, you know, talking about a guy that just did The Princess Bride and Spinal Tap and then come in and just break a guy's legs for day in and day out. So I'll take that. Yeah. Shout out Kathy Bates. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything to add there? No. no. I'm all set, but yeah, you're right. We're in a so if, if we both want somebody, we each have can bid the max of one dollar. So this would be more fun with three people because we probably wouldn't have burned through all of our money this quickly, but maybe we'll get lucky and we won't oddly reminiscent about how my daughter took her duties as the flower girl at the wedding <laughs> we were at a week and a half ago, which is she walked down the aisle, got one pew in, and dumped half the bucket on the floor. Uh, I'll worry about it later. <laughs> all right, we get six petals left and you q13 you get all together. the flowers <laughs> yeah. uh i am going to nominate uh paul thomas anderson okay 
and now it's, I mean, I guess there's no point in even putting the bids on them. Yeah, go ahead are, and you, take them. are you going to bid or not? Go ahead and take them. All right. All right. Are you, I'll, I'll kick this over to you. Are you, what's, what's your feelings on him? Uh, I like Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, but I don't seek him out. Fair enough. Yeah. I enjoy his I think work, I'm, but I don't seek him out. There will be blood's probably my favorite. I think I'm a little more enthusiastic than that. Um, I think I think Magnolia might be. Or there will be, yeah, there will be blood is pretty solid. Um, Phantom Thread is probably my least favorite. That just dressmakers in uh in the turn of the century. It's just it's not gonna do it for me. Um, pizza is, um, I'd like to see that in the next couple of weeks, if I can going to a theater seems impossible, both for COVID and parental reasons, but, um, anybody, I'm, I'm always excited to see what he, what he's going to do. And he seems like a really, really down to earth guy. I mean, he, he wrote a movie entirely for Adam Sandler after he watched big daddy, like that guy can act. And he was, you know, punch drunk love is, is pretty solid. Um, it's always, it's telling too, when like a director has the same kind of cadre of, of actors that want to work with them and that's in their, their quality actors. And it's, it's a mutual relationship because um, the actors know it's going to be a good movie. So they want to be in on it. We talked about Turturro and Goodman with the Coens. Um, I, mean, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, Philip Baker Hall, uh, John C. Riley, like they all tend to work a lot with, with Paul Thomas Anderson. There's probably a reason for that. I mean, Daniel Day Lewis only does, a movie every what like five years <laughs> he's done two so, with him to um, that end do you think is there will be blood good because paul thomas anderson directed it or is it good because daniel day lewis is in it i think that that one truly is both okay and anderson's a good writer too okay. um i'll accept that you're right i think i mean i think if you're gonna skew there will be blood you have to give more weight to the performance because I don't know how many people could have done that performance. And the entire, you know, when they give it the best actor category, that one truly is like, if this performance doesn't work the whole movie, it not only doesn't work, but it's, it's a long, painful experience. Um, but it's so well done. And I, I'm not enough of a movie expert to, to know technically what he did um, that, that made it good but i mean i know he got great performances out of both lewis and out of paul dano um i think if if the batman movie takes off i think people are going to know paul dano's name even more than they do now kind of shades of christian bale and not necessarily heath ledger but i think it's going to move them into like a stratosphere of, of like uber famous um but yeah i think you know, in Anderson's work, I mean, I didn't like Inherent Vice. Um, it was kind of too out there for me. I know I just said I liked Magnolia. That movie ends with a, with a frog rain storm. But um, by and large, like I, I'm always interested in what he's going to do next. And that's, that's the mark of a good director. So happy to get $1 for him. All right. Over to you. Going back to the list here. Um... You know, for putting a list together of 43 directors, it starts to get kind of thin. Um, I'm squirreling one away that I'm hoping that you're going to gloss over. 
So I'll go David Fincher. That was it. <laughs> that's a bingo. That's that's a bingo. Uh, you can take it down because I don't know how we're gonna deal with the tie. So we'll just go. <laughs> I think I think he has to go. The 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 preference has to go to who nominated him. Yeah. So I can't I can't match you. So if this was a true auction, you would you would bid one dollar. I cannot bid two. So you get him. That's how it would work. So fair enough. Um, Ooh, David Fincher for a dollar. David Fincher really, for a dollar is pretty good. You know how many music videos I just so. got for a dollar? <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson directed like almost all of Haim's music videos too. It's, it's, it's yeah, but yeah, David Fincher, long list of, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're getting Fight Club, Seven, Panic Room, Zodiac, Social Network, Gone Girl, hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. For going TV show too, I think he. I mean, you get a couple episodes of like House of Cards and Mindhunter. Yeah, you um, get a ton of TV. I kept yeah. it. I kept this list uh, to movies, but you do yeah. get a ton of TV. And I was not kidding about the music videos. I mean, you get a lot of music videos um, of notable bands. I mean, he's done. He's done Stones music videos. He's done. Uh, you name it, he's done it. Um, which is actually how he got his start, right? Uh, yeah. and then evolved into movies, which is a pretty big jump. Alien 3 yeah. is the first. Yeah, which is not a great start, but good enough. But, I mean, that's that's a studio taking a flyer on a guy that's done nothing but, you know, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, in a time where music videos were, you know, king, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't that big of a flyer. Yeah. Um, but Fight Club, I mean, I, top three here for you. I, I, I'll go first if you want, but I, I would say Fight Club, Seven, um, and maybe Social Network. Social Network or Gone Girl would be kind of the two I'd, I'd screw around with there. Um, I really, oh. Gone Girl's, you know, a little recent, um, but the way that that slowly unfolded over however many hours that was, I thought was great. Social network, even though it's kind of a weird telling of true tales to a degree, uh, the music, you know, the way that he used everything in that movie, Trent Reznor and all that. I mean, it just did unfolds he, so well. Did he do uh, Nine Inch Nails music videos? Did he direct Nine Inch Nails music videos? Was sure that the red, or was that just a Reznor? Reznor happened to work with him. I, don't, I wonder if he recruited him to do it or if. Reznor such a has such a good ear for music. While you're looking that up, I think my three. I don't know if Fight Club makes it in there. Really, it's it's definitely seven. <clears throat> it's I think Social Network has to be in. I mean, it just it's such a good, it's such a highly rewatchable movie, and it feels more and more important as time's going on. I like, this is weird, but like I love Panic Room. I don't know why. It's I'm sure for a lot of, I don't know. I can't even defend it. I just. It'd be Panic Room or Fight Club. It depends on the day. Is Zodiac solid too? Benjamin, and then there's stuff that's easy for me to not put in. Like, I mean, Benjamin Button was fine. It's just like, all right. Very weird. Um, uh, Fincher, yeah, I think Fincher it, did, uh, did work with Nine Inch Nails so much so that he inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's, uh, I'd say that's a lot then. Yeah. Yeah. 
Matt Damon told a story when he was on uh, Bill Simmons's podcast about uh, he sat behind him on the the set of Gone Girl, and there's a film a scene in a bookstore where uh, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike are supposed to walk in, and I don't know what the technical terms are, but he I think it's like cue background, so the background actors start moving, and then cue actors, and then like the scene starts, so the background people start, and and Fincher just like didn't like the way that an extra was walking. And Damon said he just kept repeating to himself, who the fuck walks like that? <laughs> what was that? Like all through the scene. That, so like Ben Affleck and, and Pike like can't hear him. But the, the scene, the take's totally blown because Fincher's just like going off like in his headset about like who, because the, the actor just walked really weird. He, he didn't walk naturally. So I don't know. They, he said it to prove a point that Fincher just has a really good eye for what's real, what's not, what works, what doesn't. Now that's probably overkill. What I notice if an actor, if a background person four to five minutes into a movie is walking a little weird, no. But he did. I want to see the the walk. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I want to see now. I really want to see like what, what could you possibly do? Like handstand walk? (laughs) Stop that. Mr. Bean shit. (laughs) (laughs) Who let Rowan Atkinson in here? Uh, I am going with your feet, asshole. <laughs> Get him out of here. I am going to take Richard Linklater uh, with with for my number eight spot. Okay, and you're and you're going to like yeah, I'm going to let you take. Yeah. Um, Boyhood. I think Dazed and Confused is the 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 most notable movie he's done. But yeah, I think School of Rock is is probably the the most enjoyable. Uh, just from a pure having a good time like um he did another movie with jack black called bernie that was really good i think my favorite movie that he's done is is uh a movie called everybody wants some it's about a uh a freshman in college's first week at college before classes start he's on the baseball team and it's just him acclimating and it's maybe one of the most honest looks at how college starts out especially that like beginning phase where there's no there's no classes yet. You're just kind of assimilating and, and getting used to like being away and, and knowing your friends. It's a good baseball movie. It's a really good college movie. We'll talk more about it later. I'm sure. But um, I, the fact that he did, you know, boyhood took what, like 10 years. He had the foresight to say like, Hey, you know, Ethan Hawke, Arquette, whoever this kid was like, we're going to shoot a movie over 10 years, which, it seems really ambitious, but, um, and I think of that, that the way it was shot kind of overshadowed the actual movie. Um, cause I can't really remember a whole lot about the actual content of the movie other than thinking like, wow, this is crazy that it took this long to shoot, you know, we'll, we'll shoot. And then, all right, I'll see you guys in five years. <laughs> we'll pick this back up. The patience. Yeah. You know? There's no because you grow so much as a director and a writer. I'm sure that like, five years went by and he's like i kind of wish we would have done things this way you know um he's got some head scratchers in here yeah yeah could have just cgi that kid's head onto a onto younger body and been fine there's some head scratchers in here like i i I wouldn't have remade bad news bears but i don't know i don't know i would have left that alone but very nitpicky Wildly taken for a dollar. All right. Your number eight spot. Number eight spot. I just had it. I lost it. 
Who was I going to take here? Oh, I'm going to take M. Night. Okay. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I think... King of the Twist. Yeah, I mean, he... However many years later, however many years after, you know, let's just say Hitchcock's the first, right, to really venture into the horror kind of thriller area. I'm sure there's somebody before him, so calm down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But however many years later, let's call it 40 for the sake of argument, M. Night found a way to put a thriller on screen that was then branded with with him like the way that those movies happen they're undoubtedly and unmistakably M. Night Shyamalan movies um and to me that's pretty impressive um you know all these all these folks that we've talked about have a uniqueness to them where if you didn't know that they were directing it partially the way through you could probably narrow it down to either them or or one or two other folks um m night i think is automatic you know um yeah the way the reveal is you know and now you know that there's a reveal coming like it's just part of his it's almost tarantino-esque in that you know tarantino tells tells stories backwards um you know this m night you, you know that there's going to be some sort of drop. There's going to be some sort of gotcha moment and you're still surprised by it every time. I think the sixth sense, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately with M night movies, they don't work if they've been spoiled. Right. right. Um, a lot of these movies had to come out pre-internet, pre-cell phones, pre-Facebook, because, you know, you log on to Facebook and or Twitter certainly twitter and you find out you just see like he's dead um <laughs> it's gonna make the sixth sense tough right yeah uh or yeah. unbreakable with like he's a superhero you're gonna be like ah, damn it yeah um but i i've really enjoyed most of his movies scott signs scared the pants off me the only yeah. thing i didn't enjoy about the sixth sense when i was a kid because it did come out i think i was in I can't remember when that came out. I want to say I was in like late grade school, if not early high school. Um, the throw up scene really kind of screwed me up with that. Yeah. The, um, signs. Uh, I don't know if I'd watch it today with the lights off. I'm in my house. I mean, it is terrifying the way that those aliens just right across the screen. I mean, you know, you it's, said it's, earlier, it's way worse, but yeah, when you can't see them, it's it really gets spooky. And then when you see it, it's it's very hard to live up to the actual creature being as scary as what you can picture in your head. That's why Jaws worked really well. Um, that's that's not a new phenomenon, but yeah, I, I agree. I didn't think I thought Unbreakable. I think the, the the expectations for Unbreakable were so high coming out the Sixth Sense that. It wasn't that bad of a movie. I remember he just got crushed. Um, yeah, I I like I really enjoy him. It was fine. Like I, I, I don't there's know. a Homer yeah. Homer vibe there with there's just so many scenes of Philadelphia and Maniunk throughout yeah. the entire movie. I mean, he's like walking through Pretzel Park half the time, and I'm like, oh, I used to 
play drunk uh-huh. wiffle ball there. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, Hey, that's me. <laughs> hey, I fell down those steps. Uh, steps over you. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, there was something very re- not relatable, but like real about that movie. Yeah. And it goes down the basement with his <clears throat> son benching and put on, put on a little more, a little more. Right. And he's got like everything that they could possibly find on the bench. Um, and then yeah. later in that trilogy was split in glass. Like they're weird superhero movies, but I think that they, they don't get into that kind of like on the nose Marvel, you know, you're yeah. not necessarily going there to see a superhero movie. You're going there to see an M night movie. Yeah. Was, and he lives kind he of lives fresh air five minutes down the road for me. So I'll, I'll give him a, there you go. Funny M night story. The only time I've ever met him, um, he's in the Sixers game all the time, but this is like two years ago. We were on the way to my grandfather's house for his birthday or something. And my grandfather's a huge reader, and I didn't get him anything. So I stopped at Barnes and Noble and I was gonna get him like three or four books. Guy was a voracious reader. And we had our daughter with us, and she was like just walking. And uh I was supposed to be with my daughter the whole time. And I was looking at a book and I turned around. And my daughter was gone. Absolutely gone. This is the Barnes and Noble on 252. Yeah. Not far from Chesterbrook where he used to work. So I can't find her. My wife's somewhere in the store. And the last thing I'm going to do is admit that I've lost her. Right. So now I go on a very rapid manhunt to try to find her. As you're and, Googling places to live in Mexico. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh Caitlin I like can't find you <laughs> booking flight you know on my phone <laughs> long story short i find her uh trying to talk to m night Shyamalan as he's sitting on a, a bench he was there with his daughters they were getting books and he couldn't have not have been nicer he clearly identified that she was lost and just kind of kept her there talked to her i showed up he's like did you lose her and I must have just had this face. <laughs> I must have had this face where I was like, yeah. He's like, is your wife here? I was like, yeah. He's like, I've been there. And like, we had this relatable moment where he's like, I got you. Don't worry about it, dad. Like, it'd be great if he would have looked at you and said, I see dead people. Yeah. He pointed at you. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> oh, that would have been good. But yeah, yeah that's, my, that's my only M Night movie. Or, he's uh, a story. Guy, dude. Yeah. He's a That's nice a guy. One. Save my ass. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is uh, this. There's gonna be some some good names left on the board because there's only I got two spots left. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the hipster thing. I'm gonna take Wes Anderson now. Right. I knew I knew Wes Anderson was going on your list. I just didn't know where he was going. I, I, like part of me didn't want to put him on there because like there's, there's a Wes Anderson type of fan. That's, you know who I'm talking about. It's the, the hipster. It's Where, like the Facebook. I work at Facebook hoodie. Yeah. I mean, we talk about like I'm, exactly I'm not, what you're wearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> this, you know, I talked about not being a Tarantino fanboy. I'm, I'm very much not an Anderson fanboy, but he is someone like the other Anderson on my list, Paul Thomas, that if he's doing something, I'm interested in what it is. I may not like it that much. Um, he knows how to, to craft a good story. And I think, I mean, all movies at, at their core should be that. I mean, it sounds simple, but there's so many filmmakers that I think lose sight of that. 
in, in trying to wow people with camera work or, or technical work. Um, you know, Moonrise Kingdom is just a movie about two adolescents that go off in the woods. That's really it. And it's, it's one of my favorite things that he's done. Um, I think Grand Budapest Hotel is, is really good. I'm not, I'm not a big Tenenbaums guy. Um, I don't know why it's never really stuck with me that much. Um, love it. It, you love Tenenbaums? I do. I love it. I think it's hysterical. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Weird. That's, I think, I think, I think uh, Life Aquatic is my least favorite. I haven't seen French Dispatch yet. Um, looking forward to it. But yeah, Rushmore is, I mean, just for no other reason, like kind of reinventing Bill Murray and getting him back into a form of comedy, I think is notable. So, yeah. Wes Anderson, number nine. I'm going to take Stanley Kubert. All right. Which I will echo a little bit of what you just said with Wes Anderson, which I'm sure nobody's ever put those two in the same sentence. Um, But more or less that I don't love everything that Stanley has done, but I do really love some of the things that he has done. And I think some of the things that he has done are actually very important too filmmaking and art in general um not related to that statement is probably full metal jacket uh which would probably be one of my more favorite of his films yeah um my favorites kind of off the bat would be full metal jacket shining clockwork 2001 space odyssey strange love's really strange um i don't really yeah. get it I that think it's either. probably too smart for me or, or however you want. I'm sure I'm too dumb to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think we need to talk about Full Metal Jacket. Um, and I don't think we need to talk about The Shining. I think people kind of know what they are. Same with Eyes Wide Shut, which... Uh. But mm. Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, um, I remember I saw it in college, which is probably late. But it's probably the right time to see that movie. Yeah. You need to be old enough, I think, to kind of understand and digest the extreme violence that occurs in this movie. What he's going time. for. Yeah. And there's this yeah. weird uh, kind of plurality of extreme violence right throughout the movie paired up with like this beautifully classical music. And there's something odd about that that makes it hard to look away. Like they're they're murdering and just beating the shit out of each other for minutes and hours on end. And you have this beautiful music accompanying it. And now you see that a lot. Like now you see kind of like, you know, the irony in that or however you want to put it. A, a lot of filmmakers are using that now to kind of highlight it. But that yeah. was a that was like it was amazing. Uh, I mean, it, I think that clockwork. It, it became so mainstream that John Woo uses it in in Face Off to you know as as they're shooting up the room, it's they're playing somewhere over the rainbow because that's what's playing on the little kids' headphones. But I mean, I think it's shades of that. It's how can I pair up this really violent thing with this you know piece of music that doesn't fit or using the, the exact opposite? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And his remake of the Space Landing is fantastic. Yeah. Just kidding. 
Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to fight you on that, but I, yeah, we can. Yeah. See if they're still paying attention to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Uh, man, this is tough. I got four, four spots. I can't take, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, it's, you know, of the four, it's between. So if you're out I'm of not, money, I'm not, I'm not going to say. What's up? No, it's because I got rid of the X's. I, I still have $1 left. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take Hitchcock. Okay. Just because it would feel wrong to not have him in. And again, like, you know, what I said about Spielberg, about volume of work and quality of work. I mean, not, not a lot of misses either. And there's stuff in there like North by Northwest that I could watch over and over and over again. Rear window, um, vertigo. I don't need to, to litigate why Alfred Hitchcock was great. Um, I was, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that Michael Bay was one of the names that flashed through, which you were talking about like two names that probably shouldn't go together. I don't think anybody's ever going to put Michael Bay and Hitchcock in, uh, in the same sentence. So I'm, I'm absolutely fine having him round out my list. And that is my number 10. And that is all I got. So what is your final? Take Francis Ford Coppola. And I was going to take, uh, I was considering taking Clint Eastwood. Which is kind I was of looking at that too. Uh, but I guess I'll throw him the honor we mentioned. But Coppola, obviously, you get all three Godfathers, you get Apocalypse Now, uh, you get Jack, Rainmaker, right? With Robin Williams, yeah. which I think is hysterical. We talked about that whenever we talked about Jack, but like, um, you know, not a lot needs to be said about Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, for those of you that don't know him, he's more than just a wine. And you got to dig in here a little bit and, uh, you know, and see the work that he's done. I can't believe I got him for a dollar. Same, same would go for Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah. I may have, I may have spent too much money early on. Um, yeah, me too. So just to read through the, the quickly, the, the names that didn't get picked. So Ben Affleck, Bong Joon-ho, Cameron Crowe, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, we talked about Clint Eastwood, Brian De Palma, Edgar Wright, George Lucas, James Cameron, J.J. Abrams, John Hughes, Catherine Bigelow, uh, Nora Ephron, Oliver Stone, Penny Marshall, Ridley Scott. Tony got taken, not Ridley. Um, Ridley has too many misses in there. I don't, there's a lot of stuff in there I just couldn't do without. Uh, Zemeckis, that's a guy who's the, the later stuff is kind of like, I don't like Polar Express. Uh, yeah. Christmas Carol remake. Yeah. It, yeah. Sam Mendes, there's kind of some depressing stuff in there. Taika Waititi, there'd be interesting director, but he just hasn't really done enough yet. Tim Burton, not a Burton guy necessarily. There's a you lot of, you have to be to, to like this. And I'm not. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I'll take out of, out of Burton's entire thing comes as no surprise would be Batman and Batman yeah. Returns. Yeah. Uh, JC Shandor, you and I are both in the bag for all is lost and margin call, but it, again, he hasn't done enough yet. Michael Bay. Judd Apatow not taken. Um, Barry Levinson and David O. Russell. Apatow is another one kind of like McKay where you're talking about like knowing when to get out of the way. His movies tend to run a little long. Um, but that's, it's not the worst thing in the world. But he's really good at, uh, I feel like he, like with Trainwreck and Amy Schumer and with King of Staten Island and Pete Davidson or with Knocked Up and Seth Rogen, he's like, I'm going to take you. I think there's something special about you and make a movie about you. And he's usually right. Um, just weird that funny people is the one that didn't 
he had the, probably the biggest actor that he could have worked with. And it, it was, he was too much work. of an asshole. Yeah. Sam was I agree. too much of an asshole and funny people. And it's, it turned you off, I think, throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, if this is not who Sandler is either. Like, no. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, get, I would assume it's not who he is. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would agree with that, I think, wholeheartedly. I actually kind of think that when I think of Apatow is that he's like sitting there watching these guys kind of come by and he's like, nope, I'm grabbing you off the bench and we're going to go do something. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen King of Staten Island, I know you have, Kurt, but if you haven't, whatever you think of Pete Davidson, just throw it out the window and go watch that movie because it's, it's really good. Totally Bill, Burr, Bill Burr's awesome in it. In um, the bag for Burr all the time, but yeah, he's another. It's great. a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. Not the most uplifting, but it's really good. It's not, but it's, yeah. Like one of the best uh, firefighting movies. I'm really, if you read between the lines, I'm giving away what, uh, what's in my upcoming 70 to 79 Rotten Tomatoes, but I was looking at firefighting movies. So it's a Ron Howard movie. It's about firefighting. You can probably figure out one. <laughs> um, not, not a whole lot of good firefighting movies. There are not a lot of compelling firefighter movies, but the backdraft, it's not a ride experience. I don't know what you would call it at Universal Studios yeah. back in the day was horrifying. Pretty, I, I would imagine. Yeah. I was like seven living in california and we would go all the time because people come out to visit us and they'd be like, on the backdraft thing and i'm like let's not why uh, what you go in there and flames i'm way out <laughs> way out all right so to put a bow on this uh so your you list won. you won hands down don't I don't, all right, list. so your list christopher nolan tony scott cohen brothers mel brooks harold ramus rob reiner david fincher Shyamalan, kubrick coppola Mine is uh, Spielberg, Scorsese, Ron Howard, Quentin Tarantino, Adam McKay, Steven Soderbergh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Richard Linklater, Wes Anderson, and Hitchcock. <laughs> Hitchcock funny. and Coppola sneaking in and Kubrick all sneaking in for a dollar. Yeah, it's funny. I like we're, high, we're high class here. I like the bottom half of my list and the top half of your list. <laughs> this was fun, though. I like this, uh, this format. turned out pretty well. I think it would be better if there's three people. That way we're not just chucking money at each other <laughs> yeah let me get an auctioneer involved and paddles i'm all for that i'll see what my dad's doing <laughs> all right man all right buddy thanks for doing this see you next year love it <laughs>